The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. All right, good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you for the next half hour. A frank, honest, open conversation about gambling addiction and with me right now is Eric. He, like myself, is a gambler in recovery. Eric, uh, thank you so much for joining us, us this morning. How you doing? Yeah, Craig, thank you for having me, and I'm doing very well. Thanks. And I always want to acknowledge uh, that uh, Dan Trelaro, who's usually a part of the show, is uh, taking some personal time, but will return uh, in the coming weeks uh, for sure. So, Eric, uh, when was your last wager, if you don't mind me asking? It was in January of 2019. God, all right, so that's great. So uh, you got four years without gambling. Uh, congratulations on that. Very proud of you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Let's uh, tell your story a little bit. Do you remember when you were first exposed to gambling and when uh, you first kind of discovered what gambling was all about? I do. I do. I mean, it, it, it occurred for me. I'm an only child, so there wasn't a lot of gambling in the family, um, but it did pick up when I got to high school. You know, I was just looking to be one of the guys and, you know, wanted to be a part of the in crowd. So I just kind of got introduced into, you know, typical high school behavior, you know. And the more I got involved, the more I guess I started feeling a part of the crowd. Right. And it gave me um, an opportunity to, you know, to become someone um, that developed almost like an alter ego. Right, so you were kind of playing the role. Uh, you were one of the cool guys because you could talk gambling. You did gamble. You put money on the line. I assume you were probably doing parlay cards or you know, things of that nature when you were much younger, right? Yeah, I would pick up like a parlay card, you know, at the local pizzeria. Then I'd go next door to the local drugstore. I'd make 30 copies. You know, I'd fold them front and back so they'd be perforated so you can rip them off really easily. And then I would cover, you know, the five, ten dollar, right. you know, wagers on the four teams at ten to one or fifteen to one or whatever they paid at the time. Got it. So when you start with that, which is really, I mean, I think a very normal story for a lot of guys like me who grew up in New York. You know, that was just part of life. Thought nothing of it. Uh, nothing wrong with it. Didn't know any addicted gamblers. Uh, just that's what life was as a kid growing up in New York. At what point in your life, when you look back on it now, with clarity? Did the gambling uh, become too much or become out of control? Well, I think with the time away from gambling over the last four years, I've had a lot of self-reflection and just a lot of humility in terms of a lot of the, you know, a lot of the way that I live my life. So when I look back to my college years, I mean, there was no accountability. I had no fear. I borrowed a lot of money from my mom. You know, I walked around campus like I was some big shot because I had a lot of cash in my pocket. And I look back, and it was just really immature. But at the time, it just seemed normal and fun. And it just kind of developed into, like, my young adult years, post-college, you know, where I was just really lazy. I had poor work ethic and was just concerned with my gambling bankroll on a daily basis with no goals, you know, no five-year plan. Right. I lived in my mom's garage, you know, as she rented out my bedroom, you know, in hopes that I would move on and get the, you know, get the, the, right. to get the point. But <clears throat> it led me into my career. And, you know, the, the, I think the, the low points for me in my career were after six years of, you know, being pretty reliable and, and a pretty solid, you know, 
respected person in the office, you know, I lost a job, I lost a house, you know, it foreclosed. I lost a company car. My fiance left me. You know, my self-respect was out the window and I lost my sanity. And was this all because of gambling or was was there other stuff going on as well? It was mainly due to gambling. Okay. I mean, I was, you know, I was not the type of person that was frank or open about what it is that I was doing, like many gamblers. Right. So I was living a dual life, you know. On one side, I appeared to act like I had it together, but inside I was crumbling and falling apart because of my inability to face reality on life on life's terms. I just wanted to hide right. and isolate and escape from the truth, which now, was that I was... My life was falling apart. Did you have a specific game of choice, or was it gamble on whatever you could gamble on? No, I mean, I know some gamblers that gamble on, you know, um, you know, who can run out to the parking lot and get back inside right. fastest. Where, where with me, it was pretty calculated. You know, it was poker. Um, I really enjoyed, you know, at the time, a certain amount that I would buy in for with the goal of doubling or tripling up and being pretty calculated with the way I played. I had a set unit amount that I would bet on sports over the final years. So that was generally like my, you know, my unit bankroll number. And when I start the account, I would usually start it with about 10 times the bankroll and try to just play one unit at a a time. You know, if it was a seven o'clock college basketball game, wait to get the result and then fire again at nine o'clock online overseas. So it really became. What got me was was the blackjack, the blackjack, the, the, the pace of the blackjack just. And were you playing uh, online blackjack? No, no, I was a casino um, freaking player. So you you looked forward to the the speed of the game, but the speed of the game was also part of your downfall because the money can go so fast, right? Essentially, uh, yeah, I I looked for the speed of the game because I'd have a win at the poker room and maybe double up, but then I would just have that felted from the blackjack table in minutes that took me. Yeah, that's so funny because I've talked to a lot of guys who have that same story. And for me, I uh, I was really good at, as a card player with you know random guys playing you know games like Texas Hold'em, but I hated the speed of it. I hated the fact that you know to be really good at it, you dump like eighty five percent of your hands. And yet, I've talked to a lot of guys that would win at a Texas Hold'em table in Atlantic City and then go right to the blackjack table, lose it, and uh, you know their comeback was let me go back to the poker table. Uh, and that's so unique to me because they're so different from a speed, from a calculation, from, you know, the mental aspect. I, that never made sense to me, but I've heard a lot of guys talk about that. Yeah, for me, after the eight-hour investment at the poker table and the 30-minute, you know, just complete devastation at the blackjack table, you know, it was usually left with a miserable ride home, you know, and the ride home was a lot of, terrible feelings sure you know and, and You're mad at yourself. Of the, right i was i was disappointed with my lack of discipline and for that reason i understood that i had impulse control you know issues i had a lack of brain um you know development you know when i from my younger years and i just didn't have the money management skills or you know the, the ability to to keep this life going anymore and that kind of brought me to the point where you know i started thinking about um you know, escaping. So when my life fell apart, you know, and I lost all those things that I mentioned that I had worked for, you know, the consequences of that were that I basically went around for about 10 years with a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and a lot of embarrassment 
not wanting to come forward and talk about it to a professional or, you know, not wanting to, you know, really address it with friends or family. Right. And I just always felt inadequate. And the only thing that made me feel adequate was having a lot of cash in my pocket that would just give me some sort of, some sort of false sense of pride or ego as if everything was going well. I tried living in four different states, you know, trying to get a fresh start. But wherever I went, there I was. And I ran into myself. And the addiction always won because I was never going to be able to manage my life because it was unmanageable. And I just had to surrender to it. Before and that kind you, of leads me to when I surrendered. Yeah, before you surrendered, was there ever a moment where your fiance at the time or a close <clears throat> buddy or your mom or another relative came and said, hey, uh, Eric, what? something's wrong. Like, <clears throat> you know, open up. Say, Let me help. Did anyone ever question you about gambling specifically or about just generally, hey, you don't seem to be yourself, you know, what's going on? You know, it's interesting because being on the other side of it now, you know, and being in recovery, I can specifically recall the instances in recovery where I see someone who could use, a, you know, a hand and I could see myself wanting to reach out. But for all those times that someone reached out to me when I was in the active addiction, you know, which comprised about 30 years of my life, Craig, you know, I don't even recall those specific instances because I just was ignoring them. Right. Because, my, you know, the desire to stay in the moment, in the action was greater than listening to a voice of reason. But because of the recovery and because of the time away from the bet and because of the work and the self-reflection, you know, with the therapist and using some of the other resources that became available to me, you know, through the 12 steps, I now have someone in my life that provides me with, a voice that I, that I, you know, that I listen to and that I'm grateful for. And I have that with several people that I speak to on a daily basis. So, you know, it has come full circle to where I can hear those, you know, those, those concerned voices today. Well, let me stop you right there. We're going to continue on in a moment with hello. My name is Craig. Back to more of hello. My name is Craig on the fan with your host, Craig Carton and supported by the council on compulsive gambling of New Jersey. 800 Gambler. Hi, right, welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you talking to Eric. Uh, before we get to the good stuff and recovery, Eric, I'm just wondering, was there a final kind of bottom of the barrel moment for you that led you then to take uh, recovery seriously and decide you wanted to live your life in a different manner? Did you have one of those you know, bad nights? Did you contemplate not waking up the next day? You know, anything along those lines or no? I did. I did. There were, you know, in total transparency, which, you know, I've been taught, you know, there were two suicide attempts. You know, one, I didn't go through with it where, you know, I was in college and I, and I considered ending my life. And I was I, I got the help that I needed, you know, at that point in time, in that moment. Um, and then the second was later in life when my career was falling apart. And, you know, I decided to just swallow a lot of uh, a lot of medication, you know, that I take. And I woke up from that, but that was a, you know, an actual attempt to try to take my life at that point. Did you contemplate uh, writing a note to anybody explaining what you were doing or why you were doing it? If you don't mind sharing that. I didn't. I, I know that I just wanted to just not wake up and just not be a part of the reality that I was in at that time. And mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that, you know, that I, that I am still sure. here. Sure. I you just know, wonder when you reason for when, it. when you woke up, was your initial reaction to waking up negative or was it empowering right away? Like, wow, I woke up and now I've got a zest to live. 
You know, it's difficult to really answer that honestly because it happened, you know, years ago. But I can tell you that I still had a lot of years of struggle and misery after, you know, that attempt. And, you know, the the only real desire to want to be an inspiration and be a resource in others' lives has occurred after I made the first step and, you know, really got active in the GA program and in my own therapy and right. in my own honesty. And how long do you think it took you from that night where you didn't want to wake up and you swallowed a bunch of pills to getting to not where you are today, but getting to a place where you were fully in on recovery and uh, you know, looked at yourself in the mirror and could honestly say, all right, I got, I'm an addict. I got a problem. I need help. And we're willing to you know, throw yourself 100% into the attempt at recovery. Sadly, you know, that was 15 years. Wow. Hmm. So that 15 years, you can just, you could try and just imagine, you know, what that 15 years was like. Yeah, I imagine it's probably like hell for you. Yeah, it was trying to hide, you know, from myself and from my own struggles with addiction. So how do you think you ultimately beat it? You know, and I ask that because I wonder about myself. You know, ultimately, I went to rehab, you know, and I've told the story many times, you know, for all the wrong reasons. And it wasn't until I met other addicts that I appreciated the fact that I was an addict as well. And even with that, I still went to a casino one time after that. Uh, and when I failed there, then I was willing to get help. And then for me, like the light bulb went off very quickly. I spent years gambling, making gambling more important than my job, than my family, than anything. And then it was almost like a switch went. And it was so obvious that that wasn't the right way to live. When looking back on it, of course it wasn't the right way to live. But I guess I just didn't care because I cared about the addiction more. So that's why I asked you the question, you know, how long did it take for you to be fully in on on recovery? And 15 years is a long time. It is. It is. And, you know, when I surrendered, you know, on January 24th of 2019, I had no idea, you know, what I was going to be in store for. All I knew is that I wanted to try something that, you know, wasn't my, wasn't my own directed, you know, uh, sure. steps, you know, so what do allowing you, others to help me. What do you say to that uh, young person that is where you were, you know, four plus years ago, uh, who, you know, nervous, you know, depressed, feel like the walls are caving in, not sure you could ever, go a year, let alone five, or a day, let alone a week, uh, without gambling? What is your message to people in regards to your story and how it might relate to helping them uh, start the process? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because that's definitely one of the biggest drivers to doing this show and being open and transparent is that there is help and that the help is a phone call away. And the first step is just, getting out of your own way and just letting professionals and letting people in the community and, you know, just letting them help you and allow you to help yourself in the long run. And 1-800-GAMBLER is a great resource. Yep, That's definitely a great phone number to reach out to. There's always dedicated individuals that are waiting. I know I use that 1-800-GAMBLER number. I got help uh, with treatment. I got help with therapy. I got help with self-exclusion by self-excluding on the different, uh, you know, apps as well as the self and the brick-and-mortar casinos. Yep. I also got into the Gamblers Anonymous, which I had been a part of prior, but I did, you know, get back in and 
those are some of the resources that can save a life and can ultimately change the course of, of the navigation of one's life into a much better place. How long did it take you to be honest about who you were and, you know, kind of like what you are? And I ask that because for me, that was the most important first step, being able to look other people in the eye and say, I'm an addict. I own the fact that I've got a problem because I denied it. I lied about it. And I wonder for you uh, how long it took you to be truly honest uh, with yourself about who you are. It's a work in progress. You know, I I know that there are going to be days where I just have a little bit of fear within me, you know, about saying this or saying that. You know, I'm not totally uh, fearless, but I um, I work on my, you know, my defects. I, I take an inventory and I try to look everybody in the eye and do the best that I can on a daily basis, knowing that my best is better today than it's ever been. Well, are you happy today? Is life good today? It's amazing. That's awesome. It's a blessing. A lot of blessings, Craig. Well, look, I'm really proud of you. I'm thankful that you want to share your story. I think more people need to hear stories like yours. <clears throat> Because it's raw, it's real, and it, I think the, the biggest thing for people to take out of this is that you can overcome it all. You can live a life worth living. You can reconnect with friends and family. And while you may not reconnect uh, with everybody, and I live that life now where I've lost you know, family members. I've lost friends in my life, an active part of my life, which does pain me and always will. Uh, I feel like I've got a life worth living now. And in the middle of my addiction, while there were certainly days that might have been fun and enjoyable and exciting, and I did interesting things, you know, the bad days far outweigh the good days, and I really don't like who I was when I look back on it. You know, I have no money today, uh, but I like who I am, and I own who I am. And I think there's a lot to be said about being honest with who you are and getting to a place that it's not easy for everybody. And there's no one-size-fits-all. But I think if you can get to a place where you start to like yourself again and respect yourself, uh, that's one of the great gifts uh, any of us can have. And I'm, I'm so happy that you're living that gift right now. I appreciate that, Craig. And, the, you know, I've been told the worst day in recovery is better than the best day in active addiction, and it's so true. No because doubt. when life's trials and tribulations come, there's support, there's a network, and, you know, there's coping and, and, and tools that I've learned, you know, to be able to handle challenges without running back to reverting back to the old me. Well, look, you know, and that allows me to keep moving forward. I very much appreciate you appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. If I can ever return the favor, just give me a shout. Uh, best to you. Enjoy the weekend. And I hope to be able to meet you in person one day soon. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me on the show. All right. Be good, All Eric. Thank you. you. Take care. Take care, Craig. All right. Very good. That is Eric, and that is real, and that is gambling addiction. You know, the suicide rate of addicted gamblers is higher than any other addiction, and those stories need to be told. If you are ever feeling some sort of way where you want to harm yourself, where you are considering the prospect of not waking up tomorrow, please pick up the phone and call somebody. Call anybody. I promise you, tomorrow is worth waking up for. As bad as it may seem, I've lived it. From losing my freedom to uh, trying to now have to rebuild every relationship that I threw out the window, financial nonsense, waking up tomorrow is worth it. So please, I would always implore, I'd always beg you 
to pick up the phone and call somebody, anybody, there will be an ear willing to listen so you do wake up tomorrow and start the process of getting better and getting healthier. And that's why we do this show. Uh, also, shout out to my main man, Dan Trelaro with Epic Risk Management, who is uh, taking a few weeks uh, to himself and will be back with us uh, later this spring or into the summer for sure. Coming up at 10 o'clock, it's Joe and Evan. And then Evan and I are back Monday at 2 o'clock. Tournament talk, little baseball talk, and a reminder that the New York Jets have the second-best quarterback in the AFC. Have a great weekend, and thank you for listening to Hello, My Name is Craig.